The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us. Producer Eric Ryder is at the board. He'll make sure we stay in our lane. And today we are going to take a trip down the coast from Seattle to Seaside, Oregon, one of the loveliest, most stunningly beautiful spots on the Pacific coast. It also happens to be the venue for the now famous Oregon Ghost Conference. What an amazing place to go chasing the ghosts or hunting in a respectful way, as it were. We're going to talk about Seaside and about this wonderful event at the best imaginable venue. So much to talk about. This is American Road Trip Talk. Stick with us. We'll be back after some words from these fine sponsors. Visit Ridgeland presents the Art, Wine, and Wheels Weekend, Friday, April 30th through Sunday, May 2nd at the Renaissance at Colony Park. The weekend includes the Ridgeland Fine Arts Festival, Natchez Trace Century Ride, the Run Now and Wine Later 5K, and the first ever Friday night kickoff party. For more details on festival artists, wine samplings, music lineup, and children's activities, go to artwineandwheels.com and follow Visit Ridgeland on Facebook. Hashtag Visit MS Responsibly. Hi, everybody. This is Anson and some happy days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. This is a story that takes three people to tell. We're talking about Seaside, Oregon, which is home to the Oregon Ghost Conference and a whole lot of beauty for you to visit the first chance you get. One of the leading paranormal researchers on the West Coast, Nicole Strickland, she's a fan favorite here on Trip Talk, is an author, writer, producer, and radio personality from San Diego, California. Her show, The Afterlife Chronicles, was recently selected by Feedspot as one of the top 25 programs on the afterlife in 2021. Rocky Smith of Oregon City has become well-known as a local historian and paranormal investigator. In 2006, Rocky combined his love for history and knowledge of the paranormal to found Northwest Ghost Tours and is the proud owner of haunted Oregon City books, tours, and gifts. Rocky has been featured on radio and TV and has been asked to speak at conferences and other events around the Northwest. He also is the director of the rapidly growing Oregon Ghost Conference, including the 2021 Oregon Ghost Conference Ghost Week. Jeff Davis is a Pacific Northwest native. 
He has a background in archaeology and history, but enjoys sharing what he knows of the PNW. It's history and interesting places, talking about the odd and unusual, as well as larger-than-life people. He has written over a dozen books on history and popular culture, including the books Weird Washington and Weird Oregon. Good company for us with our topic today. Nicole, Rocky, and Jeff, welcome, the three of you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And I led with you, Nicole, because I just couldn't bring myself to call this Rocky and Friends. But we'll <laughs> definitely get, to get together and talk about lovely, gorgeous, in fact, Seaside, Oregon. Nicole, you are busy but you've got a, a book in the pipeline. I know that you're finishing that project, but you're also a featured presenter now at the Oregon Ghost Conference. Tell us what it's like for you to participate in this ever-growing event, growing in popularity and growing in esteem among people who look at life through the lens of paranormal investigation. Well, I'm going to keep this short because I want to give time to Rocky and Jeff, um, but I, it was funny, I emailed Rocky in 2015, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I sent the email, I'm like, would you ever want a speaker maybe on the Queen Mary at your conference? And then he wrote back saying, oh my God, that'd be fantastic. And I, I guess the rest is history. And so I first went uh, to the conference in 2015, and uh, the, I think that was his last year in Oregon City. And then after that, it it uh, uh, started uh, in Seaside. I think it was 2016 when it debuted in Seaside. But it's just, it's one, it's, it's such a wonderful event. And I've met such wonderful friends up there. Uh, it's a really great community of people up there, great paranormal researchers. And the event itself is, is fabulous. I mean, so my, my hat is off to Rocky and the entire Oregon Ghost Conference Committee for, for putting on such a fabulous event. I can well understand your pride. Rocky Smith, why don't you join us now and tell us about how the Oregon Ghost Conference acquired the seaside venue and what it's like fitting into this place, which is quite a beautiful resort town unto itself. Right. Um, so I'm from Oregon City. That's where the Oregon Ghost Conference started. Oregon City has a pretty amazing history. And because of my knowledge in history and the background of that community, that's why I wanted to start the Ghost Conference in Oregon City. But um, after the first three years of the Oregon Ghost Conference in Oregon City, we outgrew our space. We were using a, a city community center as a, as a venue. Uh, we had a small stage and we had about 20 vendors. Um, and it was a pretty small event, but it grew very quickly. Um, in the fourth year, uh, we had to move it to a larger venue in the city, which was an abandoned high school, the old Oregon City High School. And um, that was in an effort to kind of keep the event in Oregon City. But I knew in the fourth year that um, it was really going to have to move again because we were outgrowing um, the city in terms of hotel space and, and just what you were kind of talking about in terms of tourism infrastructure. And um, I received a phone call actually um, from the city of Seaside, uh, Gretchen, who used to work, she just retired. Uh, Gretchen worked for the Seaside Convention Center um, and they actually saw our event online and called me and said, you have to move your event to Seaside. Um, I had never really considered moving it to Seaside. And so I said, I will take a trip to Seaside um, which is a city that we love. I, I like to vacation at. 
Um, and I didn't know what they had to offer in terms of an event. So I spent the day in Seaside and after talking to the city staff in Seaside and the convention center, um, I knew I had to move it. And we've been here ever since. Um, this community understands tourism. This community understands how to promote and support events. Um, I walk around Seaside. I don't live here, but it's as if I do. People know me, people know the event, people care about it and support it. And if you're an event planner, um, and trying to put on a show, that's what you need. You need a support system of a community that supports it and uh, gets the word out about it. And that's what they do here in Seaside. So um, we're so happy we moved here and we actually plan on being here at least through 2025. So we've talked to the convention center this week about the future years of the ghost conference. So we're excited about it. And I hope to shake your hand one day because my partner yeah. Suzanne and I talk about how we must get out to the Oregon Ghost Conference, if for no other reason than to meet up with Nicole Strickland. But we want to go and have that right. experience. And oh I, my God, <laughs> I am confident that will happen. I'm always talking about that. Let's bring Jeff Davis well, in. Jeff, I wanted to say hello to you, Pacific Northwest native that you are, with a, a flair for the odd and unusual in PNW history. What is your take on Seaside, Oregon? That's uh, thanks for asking. Oh, I hope my cat answered in my place, but I'll translate. <laughs> well, that happens all the time to me. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, the 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 story of Seaside itself is. In, in its origins are the reason why Rocky has, has chosen to move the conference there, and, and he has praised them for their willingness and, and their ability to promote, because Seaside as a, as a community is unique on the Oregon and Washington coast. Most of the, the towns lining the coast uh, started out as fishing villages, or, or they, they were in the lumber business. But Seaside, from its very beginnings, was planned out as a tourist destination. And because of that, they have over 100 years of, of this kind of a legacy and in, in is ingrained in the people who, who live there permanently in the businesses that uh, they, they didn't start off as fisher folk who, who the, 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 they don't fish anymore. And so now they've turned to tourism. They started out as tourism. And uh, and they're used to adapting to change. Originally, Seaside started off as really a place for the very well-to-do to come. There was a, a large hotel, and it had riding stables, and and then eventually there were summer cottages. Um, but you could only get there by boat. Originally, you had to if you took the train, you took the train to Astoria, and then you hopped on a boat and went to Seaside. Uh, it was uh, quite a landmark for them when they got the train all the way to Seaside. And and they have changed with the times, but they've still retained some fun stuff. Like, I love the bumper cars. I don't know anybody who doesn't like bumper cars. Jeff, I'm sorry to tell you, the bumper cars are not open yet. But, but Rocky, we can cut some locks, you know? And turn the power on. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I admire your pluck. <laughs> that is excellent. Well, if we're going to talk that way, let me go ahead and introduce it. Feel free. I'll just go ahead freestyling here. When I talk about one of the places that people would love to visit, if let's say they want to get some exercise, a mile and a half up 
and a mile and a half back. That's three miles. If you took to the seaside promenade, that would be a must see for me. Right. And, and the Seaside Promenade is probably the most iconic landmark in Seaside. And um, what's really amazing this year, uh, 2021, it's celebrating its 100th anniversary. Um, the Seaside Prom was um, actually purchased, um, pl plots of land along the oceanfront were purchased by Alexander Gilbert. Um, Alexander Gilbert was an immigrant from France and eventually ended up in Seaside. Um, he built a um, beautiful house here near the ocean in the late 1800s and um, started real estate and, and um, developing uh, part of the area of the town. Um, and Alexander Gilbert was the mayor of Seaside in 1912 when um, most of the city burned. There was a huge fire in Seaside in 1912. He rebuilt part of the city named the Gilbert Block, um, but he's mostly known for basically giving those parcels of land on the oceanfront back to the city so that the public had access to the oceanfront and that no one would own that place and that it could be a public place for everyone to see the ocean. So Seaside is really proud of that history and they are celebrating it this year for the, its 100th anniversary, anniversary in 2021. So that's pretty cool. And the beach too. I mean, I'm from San Diego, California and our beaches are like legendary, but honestly, the beaches up in the Pacific Northwest, I find prettier. I mean, they're just, it's just amazing. Like my first time going to seaside and like going on that promenade, I was just, I was in awe. It was, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful town. I couldn't give you a better recommendation. And this is something our listeners need to know. I worked with a gentleman in Seattle radio some years back and he decided for one of his big anniversaries, he was going to take his wife for a, an extended weekend to Seaside because the two of them thought that was the most romantic place they could get to without having to fly anywhere. And so I think I can definitely see it because of the coastline and the glorious rock formations, the beach, as Nicole said. And how about the romanticism of a place like Tillamook Head, which seems to be iconic? Absolutely. And I think, Jeff, take take over there. Uh, Jeff knows a lot about Tillamook Lighthouse. It's one of the things we talk about uh, on the tour. So I'll let Jeff talk about some of the history of that. Yeah, Tillamook Lighthouse uh, and Tillamook, Tillamook Rock, uh, it, it is part of uh, what we're offering even this year is, is ghost walks, and I do the promenade walk. And, and yeah, you can see these, these wonderful features uh, out to sea or right off the beach, like Haystack Rock is, is famous in a lot of photographs. And Tillamook Rock itself uh, it seems to have this legacy of, of being haunted or, or being cursed. Uh, Native Americans, when they would bury their dead, they had many different pr practices. In some instances, the local uh, folk would would put the bodies of their dead on the on the island, which is a basalt rock jutting out of the sea, and it's it's about a half a mile out to sea, but it, it is just so prominent. And then the waves would carry them off, and that was the location where the U.S. Lighthouse Service said, you know what, we really need to get a lighthouse here, and so they had a work crew living on the island for months, drilling, cutting, and blasting off uh, the the rock face. For uh, for a landing site for for 
not to boats to land on, but to land supplies and people, as well as a higher spot for the lighthouse itself, which was so solidly built that even now it's been shut down, Rocky can correct me, since the 1950s, and yet it is still solid there. And the the lighthouse keepers recorded, in some cases, the, the waves when they broke against the rock would actually uh, would actually be higher than the top of the lighthouse. So these waves would, would, would break against the rock and go up in the air, and then they would land on the lighthouse. And in some cases, the rock itself was underwater. And so they were, they were living on the stairway to the top of the light. Uh, and it's now a bird sanctuary. And at a certain point in time, it was also a, a columbarium, a, a place to store uh, cremated human ashes. And uh, and it just still has that, that mystique, and people are not allowed on there be, for various reasons, safety, as well as because it's, uh, it's this bird sanctuary. And ever sensitive to the environment are Oregonians and visitors there. If you aren't when you get there, you will be shortly thereafter, that's for sure, from the time I've spent in Oregon. Let me ask you as well, because there are people that will go to a place like Seaside for a very specific reason, and I take it that it's seasonal. Any of you, again, feel free. Tell us about the Pacific Razor Clams. That's a mighty big deal in Seaside. (laughs) Well, I don't know much about that. Um, I I don't eat shellfish, so (laughs) Jeff, do you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Come on, Nicole, you fly up from Sandy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, I eat shellfish. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've tasted, I don't think I've had them there. I imagine they're like fantastic. I actually, when I was in Seattle, um, my very first visit to Seattle many years ago, I went to Ivar's Acres of Clams and I was like, oh my gosh, the food there is so good. But yeah, yeah I, I haven't tried the razor clams in Seaside yet. The yeah, harvesting of razor clams is very popular, except among the three of you, apparently. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was gonna, I was gonna talk a little bit about it. Uh, I just Please do. Go for it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The no, I love clams, and there were several times um, up along the the coast, seaside, Astoria, and to the Washington side, when specifically my family would go specifically for for the clamming and. Uh, uh, delicious. It, it's that combination of the the water temperature and and the and the various uh, whatever plants, life form that the, the clams themselves eat that have this very unique flavor. That uh, even if you were trying to somehow farm clams somewhere else uh, or further down in warmer water, they just don't taste the same. And uh, unfortunately, uh, red tide and other kinds of, of algae periodically will shut down the clamming season, but everybody's got their shovels ready, and people come from as far away as, as the Dalles, east of the Cascades, for clams. It now, be- now I want clams, y'all. Well, now I want I under- I mean, uh, reading up on this a little bit, my understanding, and Jeff, you may be the expert here. It's something I'll have to try when I get there. But I understand that Pacific Razor clams make a terrific clam chowder. They do. They do. And um, and my favorite, though, is is clams, whole clams that are, are dipped in egg yolk and then cornmeal and then fried in garlic butter. Sorry while I'm salivating. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Now I sounds, want, yep, I want it all. Definitely sounds wonderful. 
Yeah, they're they're a larger clam too, so you can do a lot of different things with them. You know, oftentimes you get smaller clams, and and they're great in chowder, but but you wouldn't make a whole meal out of one of them. These razor clams, uh, yeah, one of them, one a mature one, you can feed a couple people on it. I think they are large. There's no question about that. I've seen the photos. I wanted to ask you. Uh, generally, for people who would plan a trip there, it's, it's quite a robust tourist attraction. And of course, you want to retain your beach cottage, small town feel. I, I think that's great. But when people do arrive, if they're not going to rent one of those beach cottages, how about the hotels, motels, and restaurants? It seems like the town would be pretty well equipped. Um, absolutely. Um, there, we stayed, um, we've stayed at several places. Um, the Inn at Seaside, right by the convention center, is a hotel we use a lot with, with the event itself. Um, there was also another brand new hotel built in Seaside in the last couple of years called the Salt Line. Um, tons and tons of hotels in Seaside, some on the um, ocean front, some closer in on Broadway and towards um, the convention center itself. But um, the whole town as, is geared towards tourism. So it's hotels um, and um, restaurants. And one of the great things that me and Jeff have found in Seaside, you walk into a restaurant or a hotel, you talk to someone, and the person you're talking to has probably worked in two, three, four different hotels or um, restaurants. And so they will share the history of the town. You can ask them ghost stories about a building. They'll say, oh, I was, used to work at the Ebb Tide and I had this experience, or I used to work at the Twisted Fish or the Old Girdles restaurant. Um, and they'll tell stories. We and Jeff have heard this walking around uh, Seaside frequently. So it's a close-knit town, and a lot of the people that work here work in that tourism field and are just openly gracious to receiving visitors. So, And I take it that there's something for every budget. Absolutely. A absolutely. And I am there curious. Are, there are, Go there ahead, are very old historic associations. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, people who are interested, like in Lewis and Clark, uh, e. Cola State Park, a little bit to the south, Cannon Beach is named after a, a real cannon that, that came off a shipwreck. In Lewis and Clark, there's a replica of the uh, place where they, when they wintered over, they needed salt to salt their meat, and so they boiled wa seawater to get salt. So there's a replica of the salt cairn. So there are these very old associations and, uh, with historic people known nationwide. With the couple of minutes that we have left, I did want to mention that when you look at the Oregon coast, which I've never heard anybody say it was anything less than gorgeous. I discovered that myself. I think of places like Astoria, of course, Seaside. I think of Cannon Beach. I think of Lincoln City. I think of Florence and Coos Bay. If you're going to make a coast tour, is this something that day by day, or even if you wanted to get to two spots in a day, working your way down that coastline is a pretty viable option? Um, absolutely. So. I would yeah. What, what, Jeff? Yeah, I, I was agreeing. I said, I think so, too. And, of course, you can allow um, weekend, some time. I mean, yeah. that's Gooniesville there when you talk about Astoria. So there are reasons to stay overnight in any or all of those destinations. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. When, weekend when I was trip writing... is good. Go ahead, Norm. Sorry, Rocky. You're fine. 
um, the Goonies story, we love that. Um, the, the ghost stories, all of the history, but um, you can take a couple day trip and stop at multiple places. Some of the little communities that I enjoy too, um, that are not so touristy, like Manzanita, which is a beautiful little town. So there's a lot of little stops in between as well. I actually, when I, the very first time I, I went to the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside, I actually flew in and, and stayed with my good friends, Karen and Jim Frazier. And then I drove with them to the conference and we actually went to Astoria and I saw the whole, the little, the jailhouse, you know, that was filmed in, in the Goonies. And then um, right. we kind of did that route going, I guess it would be South down Cannon Beach. And it was just, it was beautiful all the way to Seaside. It was, it was awesome. And this is not necessarily meant to plug one of my books, but it's just a side effect. When I was writing Weird Oregon, uh, uh, even it is just a fabulous, fabulous drive. I did exactly as you were suggesting. I visited all the way from the south coast. I drove the north on the coast highway, and every city has something unique and unexpected. For instance, in Coos Bay, there's an old uh, Depression-era Egyptian-themed theater that's still operating who would have thought it huh yes and i've seen pictures of that and i thought wow if you wanted to hold a special event or a really creepy birthday party that would be a lot of fun <laughs> and i want to thank the three of you for joining us today jeff davis his books are weird washington and weird oregon i got to get a hold of a couple copies i'm telling you that's going to be great and we thank you too, rocky smith director of the rapidly growing oregon ghost conference of course nicole strickland tune into the afterlife chronicles wherever you get your podcast and you'll hear some mighty good broadcasting about all things concerned concerning the continuity of life and the eerie things that attend to it. Thanks so much, you three. I hope we talk again and meet in person someday. Thanks. I, I, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Our pleasure. We'll be back with a bit more right after this. This spring, coast naturally to Gulf County, Florida by planning your road trip. A road trip is the sound of giggles with the family. Or maybe a sing-along to your favorite playlist with the windows rolled down for a girl's trip. Whatever road you take, you will discover new adventures along the way through the picturesque landscape and breathtaking scenery. The road is wide open to Gulf County, Florida, and the adventures are endless. Whether you like to find iconic landmarks, eat at local dives, or get your adventure fix, we've checked all the boxes for you. Located in Northwest Florida, Gulf County boasts 43 miles of natural shoreline. Here, where the water surrounds us, being outside comes first, and the experience is never the same twice. Take our quiz to discover your travel personality and a route to satisfy your wanderlust. Gulf County, Florida. Our pace is slower. Our laughter is genuine. Our waters are amazing. When can we expect you? See more at visitgolf.com slash roadtrip. Thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detail in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family 
and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.